Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. One of our subtopics here on Basecamp is health and well-being for men. Many men I know are rethinking health, self-care, and diet. And it used to be that men didn't give these things too much thought. It was actually considered unmanly to speak of taking better care of yourself, of getting proper rest, of having a body that is flexible and feeling, of eating better food. Athletes would consider these things because they're more in tune to how they feel. But everyday men would often skip over these important topics. With the release of the pro-plant-based diet documentary, The Game Changers, men are starting to have serious conversations about the pros and cons of a plant-based diet. And I am committed to continue to co-create the narrative with you on men and self-care here on Basecamp for Men. My hope is that by listening to the show, you gain new perspectives and come away with a few new resources every show. If you are finding new tools that uplift and improve your life and your energy, then I'm serving my purpose. Thank you, men. My guest today is a friend and nutrition and health expert. Mary Purdy holds a master's degree from Bastyr University, where she is currently a member of the adjunct faculty. She has given over 100 nutrition workshops, speaks regularly at health and nutrition conferences, and she was the keynote speaker at Bastyr University's commencement ceremony 2019. Additionally, she hosts the podcast The Nutrition Show, which was formerly called Mary's Nutrition Show, and she is the author of the book Serving the Broccoli Gods. Here is my interview with Mary Purdy. Okay, I am here with Mary Purdy. Mary, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Tony, it's great to be here. Yeah, yeah, I've been really excited to talk to you. I'm coming off a hiatus. So um, yeah, it's good to be back at the microphone and talking to people. And yeah, I thought of you. We've had many discussions about health. And my first question, you know, I, men, for me, men are sort of notoriously bad at, at self-care. Uh-huh. But, we're, but we're getting more curious, you know, and so I thought this episode would be great for providing some new resources and, and some new insights into men's health, particularly in the area of nutrition, which is where you're such a great expert at. Were you always into health or was there something that sort of facilitated your, your interest in where you really made it your life path and, and took the path you took? You know, Ever since I was around 10 years old, and maybe even before that, but that's the time that I actually remember starting to get interested Mm -hmm. because I was afraid of death. Ah. And I was like, I am going to do everything I can to live as long as I can. And that as I moved into my more, uh, you know, cognizant years of being a human, I thought like, I want to live as well as I can. I want to feel awesome. And you know what, Tony? I want it to look good. I want it to look good. And you can tell when people are healthy, their skin is brighter. They've got more vibrance to them. Their hair is healthier. They've got hair. Um, You know, there's more vitality. So that was really important to me. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing with men is I think we all want to look good, right? And I think sometimes men don't think that optimal health feels really good, right? So if you told a man, look, if you do these steps, you're going to look and feel your best. I mean, that's a, that's a hugely enrolling conversation for men because I'm interested in that. I know there's a ton of men that are like, I want to feel my best and I want to look my best. Count me in. You right. know what I'm saying? I think that's true. I also think that 
men are often not as motivated by, oh, you're going to prevent this disease, you know, or, oh, right. you know, you're, you're not going to get diabetes. It's, yeah. I think it really is. And there's a great doctor out there who's a, a colleague of mine named Dr. Miles Spar, who talks about this as well, who really talks about the motivation for some of this stuff has to be yeah. very tied to what a man um, or someone who identifies as male really values in their mm-hmm. life. So, mm-hmm. you know, prevention and health and going to the doctor, those aren't things that are going to really be drivers. Right, right. Energy is, though, for men, I think. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So one, one of the things I wanted to ask you, there's all this stuff right now about vegetarianism and being a vegan. First off, are you a vegetarian? I would say I'm a flexitarian. I do not subscribe to anything that is definitive or is, de- you know, that is defined by you have to eat this way um, mm-hmm. because I don't feel like that works for me. And I don't feel like anything that is 100% having to be a certain way works for most people. For some people, they really subscribe to that. that that's, they connect with it. Yeah. But um, I, I find the flexibility also, you know, whether it's the season, whether it's how you're feeling, whether it's the stage you are going through in your life, whether it's your concern about the environment, you know, the value system that you have, those all matter in terms of how you define what kind of an eater you are as well. Got it. Got, I mean, do you believe in the, the blood type? I know there was a thing there for a while where it was like, blood type, certain blood types, eating meat as a regular thing was good for them. And over here, this other blood type, maybe it would be better if they did more vegetarian or is that, is the science back that up at all? Or is that not so much a thing anymore? Well, you know, I think there is a little bit of science to back that up. And Mm -hmm. what I think there is actually even more of is anecdotal um, Mm -hmm. experiences of people who really find that they gravitate towards the eating in that way. And they find, I just feel better when I have meat or I just feel better when I don't have uh, meat, when I'm more vegan, when I'm more vegetarian. So um, I think the science is still a little uh, shaky on that. What I will say is in terms of vegetarian or veganism, you know, in general, we're consuming way too much animal protein in the diet uh, overall. And most of that is coming from really poor quality sources, which is not having only an impact on our health, but it's having a really bad impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're thinking about making some of these these changes in our diet, sometimes it's not just about us. It's also about, well, how does this translate into the broader scheme of the, of the world as well? And that can also translate into your value system. That's right. That's right. I don't know if you've heard about Game Changers. Did we talk about that, the documentary? You're about the 14th person who sent me yeah. either a link to it or talked about yeah. it, but yes. It, it, it's gone kind of viral. I mean, for, for you, it's a great way to introduce men to the value of being a vegetarian because it's a it's a story about a world-class athlete who got injured and then started to look at um, his diet and he started to go oh my god you know there's there's all these reasons to eat plant-based and he started to do that and it started to spread in his community as he became a champion of it and you know there's there's science in the documentary but um, it's really compelling. Like you get done and it, they cover the ecological stuff too. Like it's yeah. responsible. And I came away with the documentary. I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do as much vegetarian eating as I can. Kind of like what you're doing, flexitarianism. But I came away with it going, you know what? I really think, you know, two, three hundred years from now, they'll look back and go, what were they thinking eating all that meat? You know, I really think it's going to get to right. that. Eventually it might take, many generations, but I think they'll look back and go, that was really not a great way to do it for the planet or for the body. 
Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how many more generations it's going to be, Tony. I think it's starting to happen now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're seeing the negative repercussions of an excess of poor quality animal protein yeah. on people's health. And, yeah. you know, if we're thinking about energy, uh, if we're thinking about vitality, very often uh, a deficit in the very foods that are, that are coming from our plant-based proteins and plants in general, a deficit in those foods is going to have a huge impact on vitality as well as energy and um, and youthfulness. And I'll tell you this, I'm going to put this out there too, Tony, because what we know is when there's a higher consumption of animal products or a higher consumption of, of, uh, of saturated fat, not that saturated fat is all bad, but in mm-hmm. excessive amounts, it can have an impact on arterial function. That's the function of your arteries, mm-hmm. which could have an impact on your brain and your heart. And another very important area for men, your lower uh, reproductive department. So totally. that's one big artery there. And if that thing gets blocked, your libido's going down the tubes. And that's yeah. not good for anybody. No, men don't like low libido. It doesn't really, no. it's not sexy for us. <laughs> it ain't sexy to have low libido. <laughs> it's so, not. I mean, for me, you know, with, with the fellas, I yeah. very often will say, you know, not only is this going to give you more energy, more vitality, maybe make you look better, but it's going to actually help you in the, in the bedroom department. So, yeah. and that, can, that acts as a real motivator because I have known men for whom switching up their diet has made a huge difference in how they feel in that neighborhood. And that has had positive implications for them and for the relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great reason. If somebody has a sweet tooth, like I have a sweet tooth, I don't drink alcohol anymore. But what happened when I quit drinking is all of a sudden I have this monster sweet tooth and I still do. And it's like, you know, I eat really healthy but then I will just go to town on pie or cookies and it's all compulsive and I just have these really bad sugar cravings. And so yeah. I wanted to ask you about that because I know there's other men that, that have the same kind of thing. And, you know, I have this vague fear of diabetes, but mainly I just know, look, that sugar stuff's really kind of garbage in my system mm-hmm. and it spikes my blood sugar and it's not good, but I don't know what to do about the cravings. Like how do I take some of the hard edges off of the cravings? Let me start by saying you are not alone in this experience. This mm-hmm. is this is the top issue that I have worked on with people. I got to right. say, out of everything that I have worked with, I hear, oh, I'm addicted to sugar. I have these cravings. I don't know what to do. Anyone who's ever come off of either um, alcohol, um, who's who's or or even you know drugs, there's there's a a quality of sugar that actually lights up the dopamine receptors, which are the pleasure receptors in your brain, mm-hmm. um, which make you feel good, right? Yeah. And actually breast milk is sweet. So we were raised on something that had sweetness to it because it was very comforting to us. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to cravings, I, I've got about five ideas. So I'm going to put them out here. And number one, you know, there is the, the comfort aspect of it. Sometimes it's most important to look at that like, why are you craving the food that you're craving? Is it because you're bored or you're lonely or you're angry or you're frustrated or you're super stressed and you have this really strong association that when you've had those feelings in the past, like that cheesecake looks really good or so does that, those Skittles or that thing of ice cream. Sure. So often just like acknowledging like, okay, the reason why I'm craving sugar is because there's, there's an emotional attachment to it or a comfort piece to it. That doesn't always resonate with men, but mm-hmm. it's very often one of the driving forces. So looking at that is important. Number two is very often people crave sugar because they haven't had balance in the meals prior to that moment, or, you know, during the day. Okay. So if you have lunch and let's say, let's say that you just have like, um, I don't know, you know, a sandwich that doesn't have enough protein or doesn't have enough fat or doesn't have enough fiber, 
the lack of those three major nutrients, fiber, fat, and protein, are going to inevitably make you feel hungry. And when we are hungry, when we have a lack of balance in any of those nutrients, the first thing that we go for is the thing that gives us the most amount of energy with the least amount of effort. And what do you think that is? Yeah, right there, sugar, boom. Sugar. So it's really natural for the body to crave, the brain to crave something when there is a a lack of these other pieces that make you actually feel satiated and full. So that's the other thing I say. I'll say like, you know, what did you have for lunch? Did you have enough protein? Did you have enough fat? Did you even have a source of protein, fiber, or or fat in that meal? Mm -hmm. And that's a great place to look. Okay. The other thing too is that with the sugar cravings, very often it is dehydration. So people think they're craving sugar when what they're actually craving is fluid. Mm. So even just taking a step back and saying, hey, okay, what's going on? You know, if the candy bar is right there, but you drink a couple glasses of water or whatever your choice, your beverage choice is, provided it's not like a big thing of grape juice, um, does that fill up that sensation of craving? That one in particular is interesting because I've been using an app to track my water. Mm. And it says for me, I'm supposed to have 70 ounces of water a day. And at the beginning, I was like, are you kidding me? I'm coming in at like 40, like I'm not hydrated. I'm having really bad sugar cravings. So I started to amp it up. And when I got up to 70 in the last week or so, I haven't had as many sugar cravings. So well, for God's sake. Yeah. All right. And and I thought I was drinking plenty of water. I had to actually track it and then go, no, you're like at half. That's not good enough. So yeah, yeah. And you need about, you know, everyone's a little different depending on if you sweat, but you need somewhere in that realm of like 30 to 35 milliliters per Mm -hmm. kilogram. Now that's probably like a big, boring math equation, but you know, it's, it's basically however many pounds you are, divide that by about two um, and then multiply that by, you know, 35 and then you get your your milliliters and translate that to liters. So all of a sudden we're in Europe with liters, but um, I've heard half your weight in ounces, basically. So if you're 160 pounds, it's 80 ounces of water. I've heard. Yeah. I mean, and that can be simplified. Yeah. yeah. Simplified. And then I've got two other ideas, Tony, because it's an area that I feel passionate about, but also where people really struggle is getting in. If you are having those sweet cravings, aside from the stuff that I just mentioned that you might be missing, Mm. um, is getting in foods that are really, really flavorful and different. So naturally sweet foods, whether that's from fruits, um, dried fruits, or even vegetables, you know, like sweet potatoes and squashes and onions and beets, those are sweet fruits. And then the other counteractor is really, really bitter or hot and spicy food. So if you're mm. finding yourself really craving something, try having a food that's super bitter, um, like a radish or arugula salad. And sometimes those flavors or something that's really hot and spicy, it's kind of hard to to want to crave food or sugar when your mouth is on fire. So, you know, cayenne uh, pepper is your friend. <laughs> I would have never thought that. That's an inter- That's a new piece of information. I never would have thought to combat sugar cravings with either bitterness or hot spicy, which I like hot spicy. So I'll try that. That's a, that's a good tip. Dark chocolate can be a good one too, because you know, if you're getting a super bitter dark chocolate, it is really easy to shove an entire milk chocolate bar in your mouth, but the bitter chocolate, you got to take your time. Yeah. 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 Like ease into that experience. And very often it means you eat less. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's great. So uh, do you recommend cleanses and fasts. I, I mean, I remember when I was younger, I, I had a, some juice books and Lisa and I were doing juice cleanses periodically. Sometimes we do a one day, sometimes we do a three day. And the, the whole philosophy was sort of, it was a reset. It gave your digestive system a, a rest. 
And if you were going to change directions with a diet, it was a nice way to, to sort of hit the reset button and start. But then I've just gotten away from them over the years and, I, and I've kind of lost track of the narrative around, are people still doing them? Do you still believe them as a nutritionist and an expert in health? Do you, do you like cleanses? Do you recommend them to clients periodically? Is there a particular cleanse that you like? Well, I'm going to give you my standard answer on this yeah. one. And then I want to ask you a question. So my okay. answer to this and to almost every question that I ever get asked about nutrition is, it depends. Mm. So um, I'm going to come back to you and ask you, what did you get out of that experience that you had when you did do those juice cleanses or resets? Like, what did you actually experience? I hear what your goal was, but what was the outcome? Well, I think compositely, you know, maybe I've done 10 or 12 of them and they varied from one to three days. I think there was a rise in my energy. Um, it seemed like I was really clear mentally, especially after the first day. I felt, I felt energized and kind of clear, not as hungry after the first day as I would have thought and, you know, really good. But then I always had a hard time when I came off of them. I wasn't smart always the way I came off. Like instead Mm -hmm. of small, really super healthy, I knew that was the goal, but I would sometimes veer way out of, you know, that's, that was a bad landing off of the cleanse. So it almost like it was a a little bit of a backfire on, on the way out. Exactly. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't disciplined or I wasn't able to kind of land myself after the cleanse the mm-hmm. way that I had anticipated. You know, I got a little compulsive or maybe I was just really hungry finally and, and right. was just starting like, I got to start eating some stuff. And you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to eat my computer chair right now yeah, or yeah. anything. Pretty, well, much, so pretty much. Yeah. That, that brings me back to my point, which is, you know, when it comes to engaging in some kind of dietary, whether you want to call it a cleanse or a reset or a detox, I think the most important thing is, you know, what, did it, what is it that you are doing it for? If, mm-hmm. if you truly feel like what you need is a pause on uh, the way that you are living your life or eating, and you feel like this is going to be a nice shift or actually help with that reset mm-hmm. button, then I think it can be a good way to engage in trying out something different. Okay. Now, if it's if someone's looking for a fast fix um, and they think, you know, just doing a juice diet for, for 10 days or, uh, or for five days is going to somehow transform the way they are, the person they are, I, I almost will always agree with you uh, on the fact that like it tends to backfire. People get ornery and irritated for the week. Um, and so it, it can be not as effective. So one of the ways that I like to engage with people on this is having people slowly say, okay, let me see if I can begin to, maybe it's taking five to 10 days, maybe it's even just a weekend, but let me just see what, what it's like to back off of some of the foods that I know aren't as supportive to my body, that I don't feel as good on, and let me see if I can increase of some of the foods that make me feel really, really good, or the foods mm-hmm. that I hear are, are very... Um, you know, nutrient dense, you know, filled with all different kinds of vitamins and minerals and uh, good, good plant chemicals. And to maybe think of it as like an on-ramp and then an off-ramp so that it's not okay. this 180 and all of a sudden you're pounding lemon juice, maple syrup, and cayenne pepper and pooping your brains out, which is yeah. not actually very supportive to the body. I remember that rather, one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there. You're going to probably lose a little bit of weight, but it's not yeah. going to be a healthy way to do it. And to be right. honest, the way that your, your actual detoxification organs work, um, that doesn't support them very much. So the idea is to ease off of things and add things in and then try and find that happy balance. Maybe it's two days of just saying, I'm going to eat really, sometimes people will call it, you know, cleanly, like no processed food, no sugar, no alcohol, very little caffeine. 
you know, real foods that you can actually find growing in the ground or on a tree as opposed to something that's in a package. And when I've worked on this kind of uh, a dietary, I call them resets with mm-hmm. people, that slowness and the support throughout it without feeling the need to be extreme and the slowness of coming back off of it is the way that you are better able to understand how these habits actually are beneficial for you and also which things don't work for your body and which are the things that you can actually see yourself putting into play more consistently on a regular basis. Well, let me ask you, what, what about, let's say there's a man who's like, um, his diet hasn't been really good. Like, let's say he's been, you know, he does like cheeseburgers and he eats just kind of whatever. Like he hasn't really been intentional at all. Mm. Um, but all of a sudden he has this wake up call. It could be a right. health scare or maybe he hears this or he reads a book and, or somebody, you know, recommends, Hey, I'm doing all this healthy eating. And so he starts getting curious. Does that guy is, would, would some sort of cleanse be a good line in the sand where he jumps over to the healthy way of eating or is it too shocking and it's just better to put, you know, uh, some gradual, you know, ramp, like you said, into healthier habits and not kind of shock the system, so to speak? Well, I think we'd have to apply those ideas to everyone differently because yeah. not some people are like, I am ready to rock and roll and jump right in. I've had this health scare. I, you know, I'm afraid my, 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 my dad just died. My partner just died, whatever. And they feel incredibly motivated. Yeah. For other people, they may go like, gosh, I'm motivated, but I don't know how the hell to cook green beans. Like, I don't know what I'm doing in the kitchen. Right. I don't know where to even start. Mm-hmm. So with those folks, it might be about like, hey, let's just get an extra glass of water in the day. Hey, let's add one piece of fruit into your morning. You know, Mm -hmm. for some people, those really minimal changes, if you say, hey, you make one change every week or one change every two weeks, by the end of a year, which is not that long, you've made 50 changes. I like that. I like that a lot, Mary. Yeah, that's, that seems very doable because I think Sometimes with men, they've gone down, they've worked hard, they've maybe ignored their health because, you know, they feel good enough, you know, according to them, and they get to be 40 or 50, and all of a sudden they're like, "Uh uh-oh, I've got extra weight, I'm not feeling so great, but it can be overwhelming. Like, the way that you you eat and live seems like on a different planet almost. Like, how do I get over there? I think that's a really great way to, like, one change a week, that's 50 changes in a year, and you can... Start, you'll start to feel better making these incremental changes. But then, you know, as the months, weeks and months go by, you're going to start to lose the weight and notice you feel better and all the things. So I, I think that's a fantastic way to coach, particularly somebody that's maybe not super healthy right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that's really important to connect to, especially for men is, and, and, and this is for everybody, but you know, what, what is it that you actually um, value in your life? You know, mm-hmm. it, again, it might not be about the death thing or the health thing, but guys very often will be like, well, I want to, I want to be able to run that marathon. I want to be able to, uh, to climb that mountain, to take that trip. And yep. in order to do that, it's necessary to have the kind of energy and verve and vitality. So, um, you know, if you've got that goal set for yourself, like, man, it's not just about being 20 pounds thinner. It might be like, I want to be that person that can actually race with my son or, or play a baseball, you know, get back on the baseball team or, you know, play like a a game of tennis. I'm I'm making this all sporties and everybody's, you know, I hear a lot. I hear a lot from the fathers. I want to see my daughter uh, graduate. I want to see my son get married. Those kinds of things. Like that's a long ways off. And I went to the doctor and he's telling me, you better cut this out, cut that out. So there's a little bit of a, 
you know, fear-based, like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm not getting a great report card from my doctor and I got young children. This is, I got to get going on this, you know? So I'm here right. and prioritize because of that, basically. So Yeah, so. and I think, you know, the got to get rid of this, got to get rid of that, that is probably the biggest deterrent to making mm-hmm. those changes. When mm-hmm. guys feel like, oh man, you're telling me to get rid of my, my, my burger and my bacon and yeah. uh, that cheese, this is too hard. But if we say, Hey, let's add in a couple things. What do you like? What do you enjoy? Like, what are some foods that you enjoy? What could you see yourself getting in? Then it's doable. The addition rather than the subtraction is always more favorable for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your, what's your take on vitamins and supplements? I've been curious about this for years and went back and forth, but I wanted to ask you what your take is on it. So my take is that I, I fall somewhere between enthusiastic and skeptical. You know, the biggest thing to note is that the supplement industry is highly unregulated. So okay. when you look at a supplement, it is hard to know whether that supplement has inside of it what it says it has and that it's actually been well created and isn't filled with a bunch of additives and chemicals and colorings. Now, that being said, there are numerous supplement companies that I have worked with and have prescribed to patients in the past mm-hmm. that have been game changers, Tony, things that have really helped people to either meet nutrient needs where they were just not able to get there through food for whatever reason, or to be able to counteract and combat some of the medical issues or health issues that they were working with that just gave their body a little bit of extra support. You know, they're meant to be Mm -hmm. supplemental. They're not meant to replace things. They're meant to give the body that extra boost that sometimes certain medical issues um, necessitate with people. So um, yeah, it's, it's about the quality and not necessarily thinking of it as being the ultimate uh, panacea that will solve all your problems. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I turned a corner. I mean, I, I was never a big supplement person. Every once in a while, I'd go, oh, I should take you know vitamin C or I should take a multivitamin. And I would, I would do that for a while. But essentially, I haven't really done a whole lot. And recently, I, I started seeing a naturopathic doctor and he does muscle testing. And I know that's you know, some, you know, uh, mainstream medicine would be like, that's not a legitimate way to figure something out. But he's got this really beautiful, intuitive way of talking to you about what your, you know, what your concerns are, what the symptoms, what's been going on with your energy. And then he does this muscle testing on a bunch of different things, and then usually sends you home with a few supplements. And I know he's really, he gets high source supplements. It's a big concern. You know, he wants the top shelf stuff. And I like it. I think he, he, he has me feeling better. I've been working mm-hmm. with him the past couple of years and I like that it's targeted that he's like, you're not, I'm not prescribing this the rest of your life. I'm saying for the bottle that you take, that's going to be enough to, to move things for you. And I just appreciate it that he's taking what's going on with me into consideration and then making very specific recommendation based on what he's picking up on. Right. He's really personalizing, it sounds like. Yeah, and, he is. And, and that's, you know, I think that's one of the issues with supplements as well, is it's easy to go into a drugstore or a supplement store and sort of just for grab something, stuff. go like, well, yeah. I heard that vitamin E is good for my skin. I'm going to take a bunch. But working with a practitioner who can really uh, determine what your needs are, and whether that's through muscle testing or whether that is through um, actual testing of your blood and understanding where you may be out of balance or looking at clinical signs and symptoms. You know, as yeah. practitioners, I can know that if someone has dots on their nails, for instance, or ridges on their nails, there may be a deficiency. When you look at people's eyes and underneath their eyes, there are these little skin tabs that are, that, that are kind of like little, little pockets of, of skin that look like little 
little little things that are filled with fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a sign of high cholesterol. So very often, you know, we can look as practitioners at someone's face, at someone's skin, at someone's hair and nails and understand where there may be a deficiency. Um, and that can be a great guide as well. That's great. That's great. So what is a, I, you've kind of mentioned some things. I have, I have just two more questions. I got, what, what's a quick and easy way for men to feel better, more energized or healthier in the next couple of weeks? Is it just taking a change um, you had mentioned in uh, before our interview that you have uh, a website and some recommendations and some tips there. Did you want to recommend those and and point people in those those directions? Sure. I mean, the thing that that I often will will say to people when they say, "Well, what's the best kind of exercise that I should do?" and I, mm-hmm. my answer is usually the one that you'll do. Yeah. So, um, you know, what's the best change that I can make in my diet? The one that you'll actually be able to do as easy as you can and the one that you think you can stick with. Uh So the thing that I always start off with, again, is adding. So Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, if you're looking to have more energy, one of the best things, if we're not talking about sleep, you know, if we're putting that out of the equation and Mm -hmm. exercise, taking those two things out, which do naturally give you more energy. But I would say, um, hydration. So getting in, if you, if you think of, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to add things in, you know, getting in one extra glass of water and maybe that's replacing either some other beverage that's not as supportive to your body, whether that's coffee, um, alcohol or soda. I'm right. not saying that those are things you shouldn't have in your diet ever, but, um, if you're replacing one of those with the water, that's going to give your, your body and brain more energy. And then I would say adding in one extra vegetable um, to your day and one extra piece of fruit per day. Um, and then the other thing too is just, you know, what, what, are you, uh, what are you doing in terms of spacing out your meals? Are you snacking all day? That isn't very supportive to the digestive system. That can be a little hard in the, on, the, on the system. And are you snacking on things like uh, chips and candy as opposed to something that might have a little bit more nutritional value like nuts, seeds, dried piece of fruit, you know, something like that. Or conversely, are you going numerous hours without food? Right. Are you going uh, from yeah, yeah. got lunch at noon and then you kind of power through your your afternoon like I just gotta get to this one more project, this one more document, and all of a sudden it's eight o'clock and you haven't eaten for eight hours. That yeah. is gonna have a huge impact, not only your blood sugar, your energy, your blood pressure, your sleep patterns. So that's another big one too, is just trying to balance that out. So I take it you're maybe not a big proponent of intermittent fasting, you know, this whole notion of uh, you know, 16 hours of not eating, and then you you put your two big meals in an eight eight hour window. A lot of people are trying that out. I actually am a fan of intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. but for the right person and for the right reasons. The most research on intermittent fasting is around prolonged nightly fasting. There's a ton of research on mice. Um, which is awesome, but mice are not us. Um, there's definitely we can extract or extrapolate some uh, some some tidbits from that, that research. But the strongest research in humans is about prolonged nightly fasting, which is a, a fast period of anywhere from 12 to 16 hours overnight. So you know if you eat your last meal at 6 uh, p.m. and you wouldn't eat your next meal until at least 6 a.m. and preferably more closer to 10 a.m. Now. The thing is, Tony, this is going to be one of those huge it depends situations because for some people, I'm never going to recommend that because they uh, may have blood sugar issues that are going mm. to be um, you know, negatively impacted by this kind of strategic intervention. 
And then other people who are like, look, I, I, I can't do that. I'm going to, I'm going to wither and die if I don't eat. So, yeah. you know, you work with someone and someone can do this a few times a week. It doesn't have, nothing has to be all or nothing or a hundred percent of the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. work with so, what works for you. So it doesn't work necessarily for somebody who's got blood sugar issues. That's not really, a, that doesn't stabilize that particular condition at all. It actually would aggravate it or not be, not be optimal for somebody like that. If someone has hypoglycemia, meaning that they go into low blood sugar, mm-hmm. um, I would not recommend doing that if they tend towards that. Now, for Got someone it. who has higher blood sugar, um, who has maybe either insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes, um, where you are affected by foods making your blood sugar go too high because your body can't actually use your insulin properly to bring your blood sugar levels down, then longer periods of not eating may actually be beneficial. But again, mm-hmm. it's going to vary from person to person. Um, there is some good research to show that um, inflammation can go down, um, cholesterol levels can go down, and insulin levels can go down as well. When people have have high insulin. That's not a good thing. Um, so that's called insulin resistance. So some researchers show that there may be that potential, but again, it's really important to work with a specific person, a practitioner who's well-versed in this so that um, you're not necessarily overtaxing your body in any way. And I just say that as a, as a conservative measure, not because I think that applies to everybody, but because this is a general conversation and yeah, yeah, be mindful yeah. of that. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got, you've got your podcast, um, The Nutrition Show, that's right. Um, how many episodes? You've done like 70 or something, right? We are reaching our 75th episode in Congrats. just a few weeks. I know, oh 75. God, that's, Woo. That's, that's big. Are you still Thank having you. a lot of fun doing it? It's, so it's, much fun. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's me and my husband who is a podcast producer and yep. we just have a ball. We laugh. We have a good time. We make food fun. We make food you know, silly because I think sometimes, as you may know, talking about nutrition gets kind of sciencey and boring and so we yeah, try and like, yeah. spice it up a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And you've got um, your book, Serving the Broccoli Gods. I read it. It's a really great book. I highly recommend it. But is there anything else you want our listeners to know about, something that you might want them to go and check out on your website or anything else? Yeah, sure. I've got um, a few free downloads on my website, maryperdy.co. That's M-A-R-Y-P-U-R-D-Y.co. We've got a, um, a quick start guide. So this gives you 12 best ways to just jumpstart your health. We've got a two-day body reset guide, which is just resetting your body in two days. No juice cleanses, no cayenne pepper. And then we've got a, uh, a Mary's smoothie guide, which gives you some ideas about if you're smoothie curious or smoothie bored, uh, you can take a peek and look at some smoothies. And then lastly, I do have an ongoing, um, we're going to probably start up again in April this spring uh, of a 10-day online reset. So keep an eye out for that as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mary, thank you so much for coming on Basecamp. It's been great to talk to you as always. Um, Super insightful. um, And please come back and talk to us again, or I'll come on your show and we can talk about something. (laughs) Awesome, Tony. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Mary. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Mary. One thing I love about her is she makes positive change sound so doable, doesn't she? You know, do a little bit more of this, eat a little bit more of that. I appreciate her approach. And I'm also going to start calling myself a flexitarian, which I think is just right for me. And I'm definitely going to try out Mary's suggestion for curbing my monster sweet too. So thank you, Mary. And uh, go have a listen to her excellent podcast. It's called The Nutrition Show. And if you've not seen the documentary, The Game Changers, go have a listen. I think you're going to find it very interesting and thought-provoking. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors, and good luck on your hero's journey. 
This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.